Taiwan's flag was removed this week from the live stream broadcast of an international free diving competition. The International Association for the Development of Apnea, or ADA, had omitted the flag from a list of participating divers. In a statement released on Thursday, ADA said the image of Taiwan's flag had triggered Chinese censorship and that it removed the flag to allow its broadcast to stream smoothly in China. Reacting to the decision, 10 participating nations rallied in solidarity. Divers from the U.S., Japan, Germany and other countries removed their own national flags from the event's live stream to show support for Taiwan. Five Taiwanese divers participated in this year's Ada Free Diving World Championship competition in Cyprus. She's doing great. When diver Ho Yiming finished her dive and swam to the surface, she reached for Taiwan's flag as she posed for a commemorative photo. But on September 28th, Taiwan's flag was removed from a list of divers shown during an event live stream. The organizer said it had removed the Taiwan flag because its presence had created problems with the live streams broadcast in China. I apologize for this. That's the, the, the Chinese government. Well, you know, the firewall just cut all the streaming that uh, has this automatically. And we had this experience yesterday. It just cut it, so today we just want to avoid the stream. Okay. Uh, apologize for this. The organizer personally apologized to the Taiwanese divers and offered two solutions, to use the Chinese Taipei Olympic flag or to leave the space blank. Out of protest, the divers opted for a blank space. China puts pressure on people or indirectly manipulates them through the lure of the Chinese market in order to influence people around the world. It forces people to follow its one China principle. Although this was the organizer's own act of censorship, it was still the result of Chinese pressure. Taiwan's pursuit of freedom, democracy and openness has received a high degree of affirmation from the international community. If China wants to apply pressure, to irrationally pressure people in all manner of places, then I'm sure they are going to face a lot of backlash. In the wake of the incident, the KMT has once again pointed the finger of blame at the Thai administration. Our highest leader, our president, has the authority, the responsibility and an obligation to ensure that our athletes don't come under outside pressure. That is the ruling party's responsibility. The KMT admonishes the DPP, but not China. I hope that the KMT can refrain from being Beijing's spokesperson. They can at least offer a word or two admonishing China to free themselves from the shackles of the Chinese Communist Party. Four years ago, while attending an economic summit in Malaysia, former President Ma Ying-jeou was referred to as Taiwan's former leader rather than as former president. At the time, the presidential office under the DPP made a statement in protest. For the organizer to refer to Taiwan's former head of state in such a manner, we feel that is inappropriate. At that time, when Taiwan faced pressure internationally, nobody spoke up on its behalf. Now, when Taiwan is faced with pressure, there are companies to speak up for it. That is the difference between the Ma and Tsai administrations. China's behavior has increasingly put it under global scrutiny. The U.S., Japan, South Korea, France, Germany and five other countries requested that their own flags be removed from the list in a show of support for Taiwan. 
Beijing has gone on another verbal offensive against Taiwan's foreign minister. In a thousand-word statement, China's Taiwan Affairs Office blasted Joseph Wu, labeling him once again as a stubborn Taiwan independent separatist. It called him a locust in the autumn season, meaning that his days are numbered. The statement is seen as a reaction to Wu's speech at a Thursday seminar in which he rallied the world to support Taiwan. Defending his foreign minister, Premier Su Zhenchang said China was acting out in an unbecoming manner. In a thousand-word missive, China's Taiwan Affairs Office railed against Taiwan's foreign minister, Joseph Wu. It called him a stubborn Taiwan independent separatist who uses various occasions and methods to spread false notions. It said that proponents of Taiwan independence were, quote, like locusts after autumn, whose speech was nothing more than the buzzing of flies, end quote. This is China acting out, making statements that are unbecoming. Such a statement is very, very inappropriate, I'm afraid. One might even say unbecoming. China's statement is seen as a response to the foreign minister's speech at a Stanford University online seminar on Thursday. The silent diplomatic war has been going on for many years. The Chinese foreign ministry has mission to take out our diplomatic allies, also block us out of major international organizations. Wu appealed to the international community to take notice of Taiwan's situation. In Australia, there's a petition underway asking the House of Representatives to formally recognize the ROC Taiwan as a sovereign state. The petition said that due to Chinese bullying, Taiwan is blocked from global institutions and multilateral trade pacts. The petition called on Australia to, quote, lead the world to do what is right, end quote. Over in Lithuania, the National Assembly passed an amendment that lets the government set up trade offices in countries with which it does not have diplomatic ties. The amendment paves the way for Lithuania's new office in Taiwan. These days, it's reasonable to support Taiwan. This is a free and democratic state. Having such a bad neighbor heightens the urgency of our pursuit of sovereignty and independence. The lawmaker said that with an aggressive China at the door, Taiwan is showing the world that the greater the pressure, the stronger it will become. Taiwan is filing a complaint against China at the World Trade Organization over a trade ban imposed last month on Taiwanese fruit. Beijing had abruptly terminated the import of the island's wax apples and sugar apples, citing an issue with pests. Taiwan's Council of Agriculture says China provided no evidence of the issue and has rebuffed all of its attempts at communication. On Friday, the COA said it has submitted the paperwork needed to lodge a complaint at the WTO. China announced a ban on Taiwanese wax apples and sugar apples on September 20th. Taiwan threatened to sue Beijing at the World Trade Organization, but said it preferred to handle the issue through cross-strait dialogue. For the ninth time, it sent Beijing a request for information, asking for a reply by September 30th. They did not give us a formal response, so today we provided all our paperwork to our representative office in the WTO. In November, at the regular meeting of the WTO's SPS committee, we will lodge our appeal. China notified us of the ban with an A4 sheet of paper, which said nothing about how many lots of what product had failed inspection on which dates. There was nothing in the way of photographs or scientific evidence. 
The WTO's Committee on Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures convenes for a regular meeting in early November. In mid-October, Taiwan will file a proposal that will be processed by the committee in early November. However, one pundit says that what China did was take back concessions it granted under the Economic Cooperation Framework Agreement. Because of this, he said, it's unlikely the WTO will be able to penalize Beijing. President Tsai says that ECFA will make Taiwan dependent on China, will make it impossible for Taiwan to extricate itself from the Chinese market. First comes economic integration, then political integration, and then unification. If that's how you feel, then, President Tsai, why don't you terminate ECFA? I think that with regard to trade under ECFA, China is no longer responding to communication from Taiwan. Given that, of course we need to move up a level. We can't just sit here waiting for a response. The scholar says that due to the breakdown of cross-strait communication, Taiwan has no choice but to turn to the WTO for redress. She said that as a member of the WTO, Taiwan has the right to issue an ultimatum to Beijing in response to the infringement of global trade rules. During the committee meeting in November, our appeal can highlight Chinese hegemony on this issue. A great many countries, including Taiwan and Australia, are being hit with trade sanctions that violate trade regulations. The COA has designed farmers' insurance policies and support measures for produce processing. It will implement the programs ahead of harvest season to ease the pressure on Taiwan's farmers. Another shipment of Pfizer vaccines arrived in Taiwan Friday morning. This delivery was of 670,000 doses. So far, Taiwan has received 3.05 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine. The CECC says the newly arrived doses will be used in the 10th round of vaccination, which will start on October 7th. We are making adjustments because of this new shipment. Originally, we only planned to give out second doses of AstraZeneca and Medigen in the 10th round, but now we can also give out first doses of Pfizer. This round is for people who registered for Pfizer before September 29. They must be 64 or older, or are aged 18 to 63 and have prior health conditions, or are aged 18 to 22. People who fulfill this criteria can book their shots anytime between 10 in the morning on Monday and 4 in the afternoon on Tuesday. Vaccination will take place between October 7 and 14. On Thursday, Taiwan administered 393,000 COVID vaccine shots. That's the most in a single day since the start of the vaccination campaign. About half of the shots were second doses of Medigen. The rest were first shots of Pfizer, second shots of Moderna, and second shots of AstraZeneca. With the flu season upon us, flu vaccination got underway on Friday nationwide. In this first stage of the rollout, free vaccines will be offered to 11 vulnerable groups. They include medical professionals, people aged 65 and older, people with chronic diseases, preschool teachers, and pregnant women. Starting November 15th, free shots will be offered to people aged 50 to 64. The Taiwan Centers for Disease Control advises leaving at least seven days between the flu shot and any COVID vaccine. 
It's day one of flu vaccination at this Taipei community center. Older adults and other at-risk groups wait their turn to roll up their sleeves. Each arrived with a health insurance card in hand. They also had to bring their COVID vaccination record so that nurses could approve them for a flu shot. The main reason for that is we were worried that these older folks would forget when they had their COVID shot. Perhaps they have just gotten their COVID shot. The guidelines say to leave an interval of at least seven days between vaccines. So we specifically asked them to bring their yellow vaccination card. Starting October, Taiwan will administer the flu vaccine. Also being administered are the pneumococcal vaccine and shots for COVID-19. A seven-day interval is advised between each vaccine to prevent diagnostic confusion between their adverse effects. There are no studies on the consequences of getting these different vaccines at once, so the guidance is to leave at least seven days between the COVID-19 vaccine and other vaccines. However, if people don't get these other vaccines because they're getting the COVID-19 vaccine, it's possible we'll see more of those other infectious diseases. Flu season was mild for Taiwan in 2020 and 2019, but experts fear an impending influenza wave this fall and winter. On Friday, the Taiwan Centers for Disease Control held a press conference to urge high-risk groups to get the vaccines they need. We haven't had a flu or pneumonia epidemic for two years. Heaven forbid we get one this year. Some people experience a faster decline in antibody levels. They are more vulnerable if they come into contact with viruses. So we do still urge vaccination. This year, the government purchased 6.32 million quadrivalent influenza vaccines, which fight H1N1, H3N2, the influenza B Yamagata strain, and the influenza B Victoria strain. The vaccines were manufactured by companies including Sanofi, Adimmune, and TTY Biofarm. A migrant workers' union held a vigil on Friday to remember the victims of the Nanfang Ao Bridge collapse. Six migrant workers were killed and 13 people injured two years ago on October 1st. Speaking at the vigil, the Ilan Migrant Fishermen Union called on the government to respect the rights of migrant workers. It also asked for a memorial plaque to be placed next to the new Nanfang Ao Bridge, which is due to open a year from now. I believe this is something everyone is fighting for. I hope to see a memorial plaque dedicated to the six migrant workers. Because of this incident, I have seen people pay more mind to migrant workers and their rights. We call on the government to place importance on their public safety, their work safety, the quality of their lives, and their labor rights. This is our important demand. At this vigil, we commemorate our fallen brothers. Our fisheries could not be without them. They are the force that drives the whole industry. At the vigil, video clips of the victims' family members were shown. In one clip, the four-year-old son of a victim asked for a toy robot that looks like his father. His mother tells him to give the robot to his dad, who has to live alone in heaven. In another clip, a victim's mother cries as she thinks about her lost son. At the end of the vigil, flowers were laid in front of the victim's photos as a tribute. 
A slimy substance found on brown algae may be able to boost the effectiveness of chemotherapy. That's according to a new animal study at the National Health Research Institute. Researchers found that a slimy substance called fucoidin could improve chemotherapy outcomes for mice with colorectal cancer. Fucoidin also helped reduce the side effects that come with chemotherapy. The substance is still in the animal testing stage, but researchers hope to eventually launch human trials. For more than a decade, rich diets and physical inactivity have made colorectal cancer Taiwan's top malignancy. In 2020, cancer was responsible for nearly 30% of all deaths in the country, making it the number one killer. These are grim figures, but in a study on mice with colorectal cancer, researchers found a new way to improve treatment outcomes. They found that fucoidin, a substance extracted from brown algae, can strengthen the effect of chemotherapy on mice. Fucoidin is a sulfated polysaccharide that can be extracted from brown algae. By itself, it does not kill cancer cells, but when combined with chemotherapy, it can boost the rate of cancer cell death from 20% to 34.3%. Researchers found that fucoidin can make chemotherapy more effective at killing cancer cells. It can also help with the side effects of chemotherapy. Scientists say the extract has potential as a complementary therapy for cancer patients. Introducing fucoidin to chemotherapy can significantly inhibit tumor growth. It has the same effect on cancer cells, regardless of whether tumor protein P53 is present. We found that fucoidin itself has cancer-suppressing properties. Researchers found that fucoidin can make chemotherapy more effective at killing cancer cells. It can also help with the side effects of chemotherapy. Scientists say the extract has potential as a complementary therapy for cancer patients. A new medicine has brought a ray of hope for treatment of kidney disease. When the disease is detected early, it may be possible to delay the worsening of the condition for many years. Dialysis is a taxing therapy for kidney disease. Long-term patients have to make regular trips to the hospital, affecting their life immensely. During a hospital checkup, a Taichung woman aged just 24 recently discovered she had polycystic kidney disease, the same as a late father. As her age increased, the cysts in her kidneys were getting bigger and bigger, worsening the function of her kidneys. At the start of her life, the patient faced the possibility of decades of dialysis. Polycystic kidney disease is an inherited condition. The children of a patient have a 50% chance of inheriting the disease, which is hard to detect. If kidney function deteriorates over the age of 30, it's too late to treat for many patients. Our latest weapon is a medicine that can slow down the progression of chronic polycystic kidney disease by about 30 percent. It's a ray of hope for the treatment of this kind of disease. The new drug, taken orally, was available on a special NHI license. It can inhibit kidney cysts from growing, bringing new horizons to the treatment of kidney disease. Doctors hope that alongside genetic testing, it will improve early detection and treatment for this debilitating condition. A new exhibition at the Taipei Fine Arts Museum invites visitors to practice the art of self-healing. Eight digital works and immersive installations guide viewers as they train themselves in releasing tensions from the post-capitalist era. Stephanie Yang has the highlights. 
This three-screen film installation plays the film The Airport, directed by John Ockenfra. It's a haunting meditation on the history of Greece and its recent financial crisis. It's one of eight works at a new exhibition titled Affect Machine, Self-Healing in the Post-Capitalist Era. The exhibit is conceived as an ensemble of healing machines. Viewers are asked to engage each machine and train themselves in the art of self-pacifying. Taiwanese artist Chen Chen Yu presents an installation that plays videos. Viewers are asked to confront the media while squeezing an object to release tension. This creation is mainly my response to today's information explosion and the anxiety involved in determining what's real and what's fake. I feel that we currently experience our environment through digital audio and video. Visitors are welcome to take off their shoes and lie or sit on the trampoline bed to watch the dual-channel video. I collected the sounds of very detailed movements and physical contact. Taiwanese artist Chen Huichao is at the exhibition with a room with a view. It's an immersive installation featuring 16 beds. The space encourages viewers to meditate on both death and healing. It's a meditation on the development of air combat, starting from World War I to today, when we have the Space Force. Beds are for dreaming and resting. The bed represents both life and death, as well as desire. The exhibition is curated by Li Yujie and Gladys Lin. They say the exhibit aims to open a space for meditation in a complicated modern world. Machines are made by humans, but we are now in a state where humans are controlled by machines. We believe that art can be empowering, especially in the sense of providing healing. We're now seeing lots of countries turn their attention to rebuilding mental health in the post-pandemic world. We hope to help people find their way as they seek to rebuild their mental health in this pandemic. Affect Machine Self-Healing in the Post-Capitalist Era will run at the Taipei Fine Arts Museum from September 18th to December 19th. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Tenshin Han in Taipei.